welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Well, we've been looking at uh, Paul's prayer at the end of Ephesians chapter 1, and we have seen his request for these believers that they might know certain things about God and what he has done and is doing and will do for them. And these things are true, not just for these believers, but for all true believers in Christ. The request is that we would grow in our knowledge of God. And he lists three specific areas of knowledge. The hope of his calling. Uh, and secondly, the riches of his inheritance. And this morning we come to the third thing, the greatness of his power. Let's look again in Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, just read verse 18 and 19. He says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? Well, you could ask the question, why is it important for us to know about this? Most of us fully believe that God is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. You know, for const al-makta. We don't have a problem believing that he has power to do anything that he wants to do. But you may have not thought much about the fact of God's powerful working in you. This is what Paul is praying about, that you might know of the greatness of his power toward you or in you. If you're a believer, God has worked powerfully in you. And he will continue to do so until you are glorified together with Christ in heaven. Well, this is the first time in this letter that Paul has spoken of God's power. And yet all the spiritual blessings that Paul has been describing has been accomplished in us and for us through his power. Let's look this morning, first of all, at the need for God's power. To fully appreciate God's powerful working in us, we must realize our need for his power. And so first of all, uh, let's look at the need for the power of God in our salvation. I'm not going to spend much time on this point because it is the point that Paul makes in the first three verses in chapter 2. Notice uh, there in verse 1, he says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins. And he continues on to describe uh, our hopeless condition before we were saved. The sinner has no power to deliver himself. Without God's intervention, he, he doesn't even have a desire to be delivered. He doesn't even know that he's lost. It's like the man in one of those old Jaws movies. He's quite a ways out from the shore in the ocean, and a shark is coming up behind him. And the people on the shore are shouting and waving their arms, 
but he can't hear, and he's just waving back at them, oblivious to his danger. Well, the new birth is a miraculous work of God. And not only is God's grace demonstrated in our salvation, but his power is in full display also. Power to transform the heart of man, changing it from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. We have to be careful not to reduce salvation to something that man can do. Just say a prayer or join the church or say a confession. You know, salvation is not that. Salvation is a mighty work of God. It is not man working with God, but man responding to God's work in faith. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to, to convict men of their sin and need of a Savior. He, he opens the eyes of their hearts so that they can see and in repentance turn from their sin to God and, and to Christ in faith. In Romans 1.16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so there's this need for God's power in our salvation, but also in our sanctification. After salvation, we are called to walk with God in obedience and faith. This is not something that we can do in our own strength or ability. We must daily walk in dependence upon the power of God which is already provided for us in and through the person of the Holy Spirit. It's important to note that Paul is not praying that we would have more of God's power. God, God's divine power has already granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But because we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, we have the limitless power of God in us. As we yield to the Spirit's control of our lives, we experience His powerful working in and through us. We must work, but work in His power, His ability. That is what this word power means. The word, the Greek word dunamis. It's the, the ability uh, to do, to be able you see, we're not able in our own strength to live for God. But when we walk in dependence upon Him, He makes us able to live a holy life that is honoring to God. Notice Paul's own testimony in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. He says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. He says, for this I toil. In other words, for this ministry, he's described it in verse 28. He says, for this I toil, struggling. And you would expect him to say, with all my energy. But he says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. And then 
Also in Colossians 1, verses 9 and 12, we see his prayer for the believers. And it's similar to the prayer in our text in Ephesians 1. In Colossians 1, verses 9 and 12, he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then those verse 11, he says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. So he's describing this, this walk with God, this life that's pleasing to the Lord and sanctification. And he's, he says in verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. That's what, that's what Paul is, is praying for us also in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul depended on God's powerful working in him, and so must we. We need God's power because we are weak, and also because we have so much opposition. Uh, we have the world, the flesh, and the devil. These three work together to defeat us or to, and cause us to be ineffective for the Lord. Let's just think about this opposition as part of the, the, the need that we have for God's power, His powerful working in us. First of all, the opposition from the world. We, we live in a world that is hostile to the things of God. It is in opposition to the Word of God, God's standards and God's values. And because it is in opposition to God and His Word, when you walk with God and seek to, to live for Him and obey Him, this world is in opposition to you. Listen to Jesus' words in His prayer for us. And notice there also the, the sanctifying power of the Word of God. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, prays, and notice in verse 14 and 17, he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Well, there's also the opposition from our own flesh. We all face this internal opposition in our, our walk with Christ. Paul writes about it in his own struggle in, in Romans 7. Uh, we will not be fully delivered from this weak and sinful flesh until we are with the Lord. But we have the Holy Spirit of God. We have the Word of God that, that makes us able to resist the flesh and bring our bodies under subjection to the will of God. Just by God's power, we have victory over the dominating power of sin. And one day we will experience the victory over the very presence of sin when we're with the Lord. 
But until then, we also have opposition from the devil. Opposition from the devil is very real. He's not powerful like God, but the devil is very powerful. And we must resist him steadfast in the faith. John reminds us that in Christ we have the victory. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, he says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. He's referring to the, the false teachers, these false apostles that's gone out into the world. And he says, For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He's referring to the Spirit of God who is in us, who is greater than Satan and his false prophets. Listen to John's words at the end of 1 John. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, he says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Well, we not only need God's power in our salvation and sanctification, but also in our glorification. So the need for God's power in our glorification. This will be the, the consummation of God's work in us. It is only by His power that we will be raised from the dead uh, to a glorified body to be with the Lord. Notice, notice the description in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 and 43 of this uh, resurrected Body he says, so it is with the resurrection of the body. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Such is the powerful working of God. Uh, this, is, this is how Peter says it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 5. He says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, this is God's powerful working uh, that will bring us to glory to be with the Lord. If we go back to our text in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, notice how Paul describes the nature of God's power. We've, we've looked briefly at the need for, uh, for God's power, unless... Uh, some closing uh, part of this verse, look at the nature of God's power. In verse 19, he, he says that we might know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. 
we think about the nature of God's power, um, Paul begins with the, with the reality that it's uh, beyond our ability to comprehend or to describe. It's immeasurable or, or is often translated surpassing. Is that which is which goes beyond? The Afrikaans said, "The eightniemende grootheid van zekerach." And and so God's power is immeasurable, and he he also says it's great or the the greatness uh, is from the word megathos or uh, sometimes translated magnitude uh, of God's power. And so Paul will pull together uh, several Greek words describing or trying to, to describe the, the nature of God's power. He says in the last part of verse 19, according to the working of his great might. The word working is, is the word energia. It's, you hear the word energy in it. It's, it's the energizing force of the Spirit of God that empowers the believer to, to live for the Lord. And the word uh, translated great is kartos, which speaks of ruling or controlling power, sometimes uh, translated dominion, as in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 16. Also, the, the word might, uh, ikus, uh, means or speaks of strength. It's a, the exceptional exceptional capacity of God uh, in his might. Well, in all these ways, God works through his spirit in and for us. Uh, notice, uh, going into verse 20, the illustration that he, that he uses uh, to describe uh, this powerful working of God in us. And he uses the, the resurrection and the exaltation of Christ. You read there for you uh, from, again, from the end of verse 19. He says, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Well, I want to come back to this resurrection and exaltation of Christ in the next sermon. But notice the comparison. Paul could have illustrated God's power in several ways. You could, you could think about the, the creation of the world as certainly one of the great demonstrations of God's power. And, and we see the evidence of that every day as we encounter the uh, the world around us and the creation, even in its fallen form, it reveals the, the great power uh, and might of God. Uh, we, could, we could also um, think of the flood as an example of his power and judgment, and, or many other demonstrations of his powers revealed through the scriptures. But I believe that Paul used Christ's resurrection and exaltation as uh, to illustrate uh, God's power is powerful working in us because of our our union with Christ. Through faith, we are united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. In uh, Romans chapter 6, 
he, he speaks of this, this union we have with Christ and this identification we have with Christ. In verse 8 he says, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we, also, uh, we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The same power that raised Christ from the dead and exalted him over all things is the powerful working of God in us. Colossians 1.10, as he prays for, for us as believers, he says, walk in a, in a manner worthy of the Lord. And he goes on to say, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is God's desire for us. It's his provision for us. And the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, which has this immeasurable great power of God. May, I, may the eyes of our hearts be enlightened that we might know what is the immeasurable greatness of his powered toward us who believe. Amen. Father, I pray that you would help us, that we would not limit you, who you are, what you're able to do, and what you want to do in our lives. Father, we're prone to look around us, see the weakness of our own, our own lives, and, and limit what you can accomplish. I pray, Father, that we might have eyes to see what you want to do, what you want to accomplish through us and in us. And may we yield ourselves to you, Father, that you might be able to use us, that you might grow us in our faith and grow us in our lives that we might live for you. Father, we thank you for your mighty working in us. Thank you for bringing us to salvation by your power. Thank you, Father, that you are continuing to work in us, to grow us more in the likeness of Christ, and that one day you will finish that work and you will bring us to be with you in glory and that you will give us glorified bodies that are suited for heaven. Father, in all these ways, we see the mighty working of your power. And uh, though we can't fully comprehend it, Lord, we, we know that uh, this is your word to us. And we can rest in that confidence. And we uh, see the example you gave us of the Lord Jesus Christ and how you powerfully worked uh, in him, in his resurrection his exaltation and know father that you are taking us to be with him you've described him as our forerunner who has gone before us and as the the first fruits and the resurrection and that uh, our resurrection will follow and so father we marvel at these truths and we Pray that you would help us today and this week ahead. We might live for you, not according to our own strength or ability, 
but according to the mighty working that you work in and through us by your Spirit, we ask and pray in Christ's name. Amen.